This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. So we're in our second week, uh, Choosing Joy, Choosing Joy. We talk about serving the Lord with gladness is the second week. And uh, let, let's start off with a joke, huh? Okay. <laughs> Some of you up late last night, like, okay. Uh, so there's these three pastors, they go fishing. And uh, they said to each other on the boat, they said, you know, you know, we're always on deck and before the people and why don't we just be honest with each other? Why don't we just share maybe some of our secret sins? Can we do that? So these three pastors are like, yeah, well, all right, go ahead. And so the first pastor goes, you know, at night I like to go out and gamble. I struggle with that. It's not good. And, and, and so I have a gambling issue. It's like, oh, guys, sorry, right, brother. We're with you. We love you. Second pastor. And he goes, you know what? I hate to admit this, but Sometimes I fudge on my taxes and year-end, and I shouldn't do that. It's wrong. Wow. I mean, it's not, it's not good. We love you, Pastor. Third pastor, stone face. Wouldn't say a word. So in the bowl, and they said, well, it's your turn now. No. Finally, they get to the dock, and they said, we are not leaving this bowl. We have told you secret things in our heart. What's going on with you? Tell us your secret sin. He goes, okay, my secret sin is gossip, and I can't wait to tell everybody what I just heard. <laughs> Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And provide for those, verse 3, who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, spirit of heaviness. And today we just want to continue in our series and talk to you about choosing joy. And, you know, there's a heaviness in America. There's a heaviness. And if you, you know, we're bombarded with things, especially with special social media, and we're able to, you know, hear things so much quicker, so much rapidly than, than even when I was a kid growing up and you had to wait till it made the news on television. Sometimes that was even days later. And, and, and now, you know, we've got this another tragedy that happened in El Paso, another horrific shooting. And they possibly think that that is, uh, you know, a hate crime and uh, 20 dead, over two dozen injured. It's just a tragedy in Walmart. And, and then this morning, real early in Dayton, Ohio, another shooting, uh, nine dead and over uh, 20 plus injured. And, 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 and you hear these things and, and then the negativity and the hate that's in our nation and uh, you know, our nation is in crisis. And all the more, we need to have a clear focus and a clear mind and have a steady heart and a joyful heart in the midst of all of this craziness. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I want you to notice for all the places that, that we're faced with day in and day out of areas where we can, you know, have that morning. The Bible says that it's the garment of praise, not the garment of worship. And we know, it's like, well, praise is fast songs and worship is slow songs. No, there's, you know, I, I shared this last week that worship I can do without you. And you can do worship without me because you can just kind of fall in love with the Lord. You can pray. You can just kind of worship God and his presence. And you can feel his presence and walk, you know, in your prayer closet or whatever or whatever you're doing. And, but praise, you know, 
for me to just stand by myself and start clapping and praising. I mean, I, I can do that, but, but when it's with other people, there's something dynamic. There's something unique that's happening, and there's a spirit of praise and a garment, actually, the Bible says, that comes upon us. And I don't know about you, but I want to wear that garment. Amen? I want that garment on in, in light of what's happening. And so uh, worship is very important. I love worship. I'm not demeaning worship at all, but uh, most of my uh, time of prayer is times of just worship in the Lord and hearing his voice and stilling my soul and, you know, crying out to God. But the Bible says in Psalm 104, just a quick recap, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And so his gates would be when they would go up to Jerusalem, they always would go up to Jerusalem because of the high point. They would start, they wouldn't just start show up in the temple. It's like, okay, Oh, now it's time for praise and worship. Start clapping. No, they would sing before they even got into the temple. That means on your way, when you get up in the morning, you know, and you're getting ready in the bathroom, and, and you, 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 you're positioning your spirit man or spirit woman to receive from the Lord. Can I get an amen? And Andrew is gates with thanksgiving, and his course is praise. So what does that mean? You get up in the morning. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Well, you don't know what kind of week I had, Pastor. You don't. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, I got a job. Thank you, I have health. Thank you, Lord, I can. Come on. Amen? Thanksgiving. And it's courts with praise. Praise is just focusing. It's not focusing on your problems. It's, it's, it's saying, you know what? I'm not going to focus on that for now. I'm going to focus on God. Praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. So just saying, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I honor you, Lord. That, that's, that's praising the Lord. There's something there. There's an atmosphere that God is attracted to, and he is attracted to praise. He's not attracted to criticism. Come on now. He's not attracted, attracted to anger and violence. And, uh, that, that's not, that he doesn't like to habitate. He, said, he inhabits the praises of his people. So I don't feel God. Stop praising the Lord. It's easier said than done. Okay, let me just tell you. You think I preach these messages up here and I don't have to experience and go through this? You think, well, Pastor Mike, you live in an ivory castle every day. It's whoo, hallelujah, whoo. No, it's not. Monday morning after last week, I preached this message. So I go into the garage. Nothing against my wife, but she had a table set up with sawhorses. Where I was wrong is I assumed the sawhorses were this way on the table full of paint and paint thinner and all of that but the sawhorses were this way. So I slid it, and catastrophe happened. <laughs> I mean, the paint came out, and then the paint thinner cap wasn't on. It's going gloop, 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 heading to the lumber, and the paint, I look, it's just this gray spot is expanding, and ah! I was not praising the Lord in that moment. So I picked it, and I didn't have anything, so I grabbed a spatula to try to and dry it. So, oh, my goodness, and I'm scooping in the paint inside, of the, and I was not a happy camper. <laughs> and after 20-plus minutes to clean that mess up that was unnecessary, come on now, that it's just why, you know, in frustration, and, and, and I just said, you know what? I sent my wife a text, I choose joy, and I sent a picture of the mess. And I'm like, yeah, I choose joy. But you know what? Listen, so what does that say? You're going to have circumstances and situation for the rest of your life. Just a, a, Choosing joy doesn't mean you walk around. <laughs> I don't know. Those people are from a different planet to me. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> okay, great. It's not me. <laughs> But it's a choice, and as we get into that, we choose joy. And so you're going to have those where they face, and you have to align your heart and go, you know what? 
Let me just choose joy in this situation. And you'll find out what will happen is that your emotions will change, your attitude will change, your outlook will change because you chose a different attitude. Can I get an amen? Psalm 102, uh, 100 verse 4, uh, excuse me, 100 verse 2 says this. We kind of ended with this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with joy. Come before his presence with singing. And so God doesn't want us to be believers that are filled and weighted and heavy laden and all of the sin in the world and what's going on and the tragedy. All that stuff is real, but we should have a joy. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about a joy within that carries us through those difficult seasons. Amen? So we said this and we ended with this joy. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. I just need to hear that. Joy is not emotion, it's a choice, and you can choose to be joyful or not. How many with me say amen? amen? You know, every day we have choices. We can be pessimistic, we can be angry, we can be bitter, hateful, unforgiving, we can be vengeful, or we could choose the fruit of the Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control. I share this before, I heard this illustration that Every day, vultures and hummingbirds go out to find food. And every day, vultures find dead things. And what do hummingbirds find? Sweet things. What are you looking for each day? Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. And sometimes you get around people, and it's almost like, who's the character on Snoopy Pigpen? He has the blanket, right? And everything, you know, there's all the bugs that follow him. And some people, you know, you have to, in a sense, be loving. They go, I can't be around you all the time. Come on now. Because their attitude will draw, drag you down. Say, well, I work with people that way, Pastor, all the time. And it's frustrating. It's true. You could choose joy. You can have a different kind of attitude in that situation. And you can pray that God can change that situation or move them out. Amen? Uh, That didn't go over good. (laughs) Sometimes I've prayed that in in, in difficult situations. So joy is what you believe. Happy, joyful people. Uh, Happy to be around. People that are happy, that serve in church, that are happy in church. And now, I said last week, and I ended very quickly here, and we're going to receive communion, that I'm going to give you some really, really deep teaching, okay? And, you know, they tell you in your ministry, you put it together, say, just keep it simple. You know, people, they just want to hear simple things, but I, I'm just going to step out of that here, and so if you're taking notes, I mean, write this stuff down, because this is really, really deep. How do you serve the Lord with gladness? I got three things for you. You ready? The first deep point, Be joyful. Isn't that deep? Yes. <laughs> Be joyful. <laughs> All right, Pastor. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness, I said, is based on your circumstances, what is happening around you. And so you go, oh, I got a lot of nice quotes on, you know, this, or a lot of nice hits on this, this thing I said, or this little quote that I, and I look at all the hits, look at all the, I'm so happy today. Then you post something the next day, nobody cares. My day's a mess. It's ruined. I'm unloved. Nobody loves me. This is happiness. It's fluid. But joy, come on now. Joy is from within. And God gives us that. Joy comes from the Lord. And it's not based on your circumstances. The Bible says that it comes from the Lord. That means that we can be joyful even in the hard times when we choose to be joyful. See, the joyful person trusts God. The person with a joyful heart obeys God and follows his word. The person with a joyful heart prays and spends time in God's presence. The person with a joyful heart 
practices gratitude. That's a joyful heart. So the second deep point I have is be positive. Be positive. I know this is real heavy stuff for y'all, but First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen says this: Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. It's like, how do we do that? You walk around like this and clock into work, and you know that's not what it means. It's just having a prayerful spirit. Where you're at, where are you going, Lord? What are you saying right now? What's going on in this situation? Speak to me, Lord. Lord, I just, I just thank you for what you're doing in my son's life and my daughter's life, and I thank you for moving on behalf of the business. And you know what? And this coworker, you know, I really want him to, to know you, Father. Show me. It's just that's that's what it means to be praying without ceasing and having the Lord before you all the time and not thinking about crazy other stuff. Amen. Because, you know, the devil is out there, hear me now, and he is constantly, especially with a spirit of heaviness in this nation, nation, he is putting thoughts of confusion and crazy thoughts. That's all I title it. Someone shout crazy thoughts. Stupid stuff, fearful thing, things you wake up, tragedies that are not even going to happen. That's what the enemy's doing. He's putting it to get you all jacked up so you're not joyful. I'm speaking the truth. This is how the enemy works. And we have to, what happens is, and I've succumbed to it at times, we have to stop and go, wait a minute, what's going on? Why am I full of anxiety about something that's never even happened? Amen? Why am I concerned? Why, what's, what's going on? You have to stop and go, who is speaking this to me? And you have to address those thoughts. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 says. That means you are to do that. So if we, don't, if we walk around, we just have thoughts and things zing in our mind, and we take root, and we let that happen all day, you're going to be a crazy mess, a crazy mess. So we have to take charge, and literally a time to go, you know what, I cast that down in Jesus' name. I cast that down. How many with me say amen? I'm almost done. Be positive. It says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Pastor, are you trying to say I'm supposed to thank God for everything? That's what that verse says. No. That verse says, in all things, thank God. Don't thank him for everything. Can I get an amen? You don't thank God for the tragedy. Oh, we just thank you. We don't thank God for the shooting. That's demonic. He didn't orchestrate that. Come on. There's a real devil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the enemy's mode of operation is. Well, God is all-powerful. He knows all things, so he orchestrated. That's a crazy God, and that's not my God. Amen? That's not our God. That's not what the Scripture says. All right? So we thank him in the situation. What does that mean? Lord, in this horrific, horrible situation, let the church arise. Let believers minister to those who are hurting. Can I get an amen? Let the church bring food to those and love on those that are broken. And, and Lord, even in the midst of the tragedy, Lord, let Christ arise in the midst of that horrible, horrible situation. How many with me say amen? Be positive. You know, there's so much negativity in the world. It's, it's wearisome. It's wearisome. There's too much news, too much social media. All these comment boards. You know what? Some of you, you just need to stop posting things. Can I just pass you for a moment? Just stop. You're (laughs) incurring rebuke. It's messing you up. See, I'm part of a generation that still remembers the eight-track tape. Come on now. And the records, one kid one time got a, gave him a record. He goes, wow, is this a CD? No, it was a record. <laughs> they don't even know what it is. And see, and so I'm part of the age of where when you're driving in the interstate, it's like, oh, shoot, I got to call so-and-so. 
when's the next exit? 15 miles. Pull off to the stop. Pick up that phone. You know, hello. That's, that's the generation I, I remember. Come on. But now everything is right there, and we know everything, and we can talk, and we have thousands of followers or hundreds or maybe dozens, whatever you got, okay? That's stuff I don't even care about. I don't care about it. I don't care. You know, it's like you should be out there more. And get, oh, anyhow. But it's, it's important to be a part of. It's this generation. But you have to meter that. All right? You got to meter that. Someone needs to hear this. It's just, it's crazy out there. And some of you need to stop posting things. And you need to have a fast of social media. And I'm not talking a one-hour fast. Okay? You need to just fast. You got to break it. There's actually things that are tied to anxiety. Sometimes, even with the phone, it's like... The phone is a vital organ in our bodies. Like, if I leave that there, I'm going to have a stroke, you know, because that's, that keeps me alive. Leave the stinking phone there, amen? Shut it off and go do something, and amen. amen. I know I'm preaching truth because it affects all of us. It's cre- it, just cre- it just came in and it crept on us. It just, it, it, it just jumped on us. And we have it, and we just think, you know, where I got the phone, the phone. Listen, before when there was a tragedy, someone said, you know what, so-and-so happened, they'll get in touch with you. But we just got to have it, got to have it now. We don't have to have it now. Amen. Amen. I got to get off that. All right. So with all that, <laughs> be encouraging. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage you. First Thessalonians 5, 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So we are to be that. And so we can't encourage one another if we're not encouraged ourselves. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, it's kind of funny, I heard that, you know, the Apostle Paul, in his letters, he usually writes these salutations at the end and and what is he doing? He's mentioning these people. And of course, there's always kind of these strange Greek names that you don't really understand. And O platypus, O eucalyptus, or something like that. It's some Greek name. But, but what was Paul doing? Paul was encouraging people. That's what he was doing in his letters. Encouraging people. Amen? Uh, there's a story about a restaurant owner in New York City. A restaurant owner in New York City. And this such a, it's a place that's so magnetic that people go to it for lunch. And it's really not this fancy place. And, but they just, you can't, it's hard, you can hardly get in there. They kind of wonder, what, what's, what's the draw there? I mean, is it the greatest food? And it's really not that. So they went in and they started the survey and figure out, what, what is the deal with this restaurant? Why it's so popular? And they found out that the owners, when they hire people, they specialize in treating people with the joyful, pleasurable experience. And uh, they said this, the number one way to get that atmosphere is through its employees. He said, when the employees love what they do, and when they are joyful, it's magnetic. When you serve in the church and you're joyful, it's magnetic. Come on now. When you're at work and you have a joyful heart, even though it's difficult, hard things, it's magnetic. How many with me? Amen. And so the owners, they don't even hire people based on their skill set, but they hire them on their EQ, which is emotional quotient. 
emotionally, how joyful, how happy, how solid they are in that, in that emotion, not their IQ. How they make other people feel. And so they're there and they're always high five and they're just smiling, loving. Hey, how's lunch? And it's just more than just a facade. There's something there. And the, those people have that and it's magnetic. What if to God that the whole church of Jesus Christ was that way? Amen? Amen. So, you know, I've come to understand mostly that uh, people don't remember our words and what we say, but how we make them feel. And I think there's, there's a truth in that. And so the best way for this garment of praise to come into the church world, that it's, it's got to start with us. It's got to start with me. It's got to start with you and I. Can you say amen? You know, as I wind down and conclude here, I, I just want to say about the Old Testament priest. The Old Testament priests, they had specific garments that they put on. They'd have a turban for his head, and they, they had the breastplate, and then they had what they call the Urim and the Thummim stones. They, he had a linen garment that would, uh, uh, you know, it would be light, that his work would be restful as a priest when he ministered. In Exodus 28, it says, the Bible says, on top of it all was a robe of the ephod made entirely of blue cloth. And then the Lord said, make pomegranates of blue, which represents righteousness. They were woven in purple and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells. Let me say gold bells. Gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are alternate around the hem of the robe. So you have the high priest that he had this robe on, it's blue and all these undergarments and and that his work would be light and restful, and, and he had these, 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 these bells that are golden uh, around. And so the pomegranate is a biblical sign of blessing. Why? Because when you break open a pomegranate, usually when you have a, a certain fruit, there's a few seeds. Isn't that right? But a pomegranate is what? It has more seeds than, than actual fruit. And so that's about blessing. That's the heart of God. The heart of God was you, when you break it open, he is always more willing to give. Isn't that right? You plant one seed, you don't get one thing back. You get thousands. That's the heart of the Lord. And so, <clears throat> so it's made up mostly of seeds, very little pulp. But it symbolizes fruit with an unselfish desire to grant further blessing in the world without being too concerned with itself and its own needs. That's a giving heart. I said, that's a giving heart. And that's the heart God wants us to have. But then there was these bells in Exodus 28, 35. These bells, the Bible says Aaron must wear it when he ministers. And then it goes on to say, the sound of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out. You know, there's a tradition, uh, it's not actually in the Bible, but they say that, well, if the priest enters and God doesn't accept him and maybe sin with the nation, he could drop dead and nobody could go in there in the Holy of Holies, his body's gonna rot. So they would tie a rope on him and that's why when they stopped hearing the bells, they'd pull him out. Well, that's really not substantiated and it's just extra biblical writings and nobody has have, have, have had a record where the priest died in there. But the bells kind of sound, if you hear a bell, you hear, you, you know, like we, we've done some, some hiking in some little hills throughout our life. And my wife loves to hike. Uh, anyhow, but, but areas where there's bears, you see a lot of people, they have bells. And they walk, and the bells just jingle 
to scare off the bears. Me, I'm packing. You know, I'm like, I'm making sure, that, you know, boom, boom. I don't want no bears around me. But anyhow, they got a little bell. That's when you got an 800 pound. Anyhow. Uh, so, so but, but he would wear these bells when he ministers. And Josephus writes, which is extra biblical, and he writes about the priestly garment. And there's the bells with the pomegranates that were sewn together. There was actually 72 bells around the hem of his garment of the priest. They were symbolic of praise in everything the priest did when he moved. Everything he did when he moved, jingle, jingle, all those bells, jingle, jingle, all those bells around him. Aaron must wear the bells when he ministers, and the sound of the bells is to be heard when he enters and when he leaves. So basically, Aaron, when he comes into the house of the Lord, all right, we're talking kings and priests here, and he's the priest. Every moment, he's jingling, he's jingling, he's jingling all the way, amen? Jingling at work, jingling in church, jingling when he's up here preaching, jingling, praising God. Amen? That's the picture God wants for us all. I believe that. That's the picture. That's got to be us as we help others and minister each other to the Lord with genuine laughter. You know, God has called each of us to be, to be joyful, to be generous, and to be concerned for others with that. It's not just what you can get. It's what you can give to others. Can I get an amen? You know, uh, the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, was asked to give a speech, and they knew he was uh, uh, an orator, and, and they asked him to give a speech. There was very prestigious people there, and they were very excited to be there, and dressed in proper attire. What is William Booth going to say when he gets up? What great speech he's going to... He started the Salvation Army, and so William Booth, at an elderly age, walks up, and he just says one word, others, and he went and he sat down. That was his speech, others, others. You know, when I think about helping others, I shared this with the staff earlier this week. Um, this year was an exceptionally warm year for Mount Everest. I don't know if you know. I'm not a hiker. I have no desire to go to the type of that 29,000, 29 feet mountain. Some of you might, but they spend over $100,000 in uh, to, to, to train for nine months out to acclimate to go up there. Well, since it was an exceptionally warm year, there was a lot of climbers that they gave a lot more uh, visas or whatever out permission to go climb. And so, so, so there's the peak, okay? And it takes, you know, days to get up there. And so they have a roadblock at the peak because there's so many. There's like three, four hundred climbers. And they have to get around each other. And, you know, and they found out because of the exceptionally warm year that there are hundreds of bodies up in the mountain. Dead, you know, people that have, you can't, you fall down 1,600 feet or 2,000 feet and, it's, it's tragic, it's tragic. And some of them, they've even been criticized in the past, have uh, passed people uh, uh, on the way up going to the summit that are exposed to hypothermia and either passing out or freezing to death, crying out, saying, help, help. And the guy will say, keep going. We, if you stop, you're gonna die. You need to keep going. I can't fathom that. I just, I can't, I mean, <laughs> it just blows my mind. And they actually have some spots because there's so much trash up there. They remove tons of trash through all the years, and they were taking these bodies out, but there would be a spot where would say, well, where the dead man is with the yellow boot frozen in the ice, that's where you go left. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. Well, then I, I heard this, this, this story about a true story of a climber uh, <clears throat> who was walking, and I, I'm not certain it was Mount Everest, I, I, I don't know, but it was pretty considerably high, and, and, and it was, he was freezing to death. 
that he, he passed this man and this man was, you know, just, just passed out and succumbed to hypothermia. And, and the guy said, we need to keep going. If we don't, if you stop, you could die. Just, we need to keep going. He goes, I couldn't leave this man. I couldn't leave this man. And he said, I, I just thought if I could just spend a few moments and help revive him. And so the, his rest of his team, they went on and he stopped and he began to move this guy around, just, just physically move him in his arms to get his blood flowing. And while he's doing that, I mean, he's just moving himself and, and he's shaking the guy's legs Well, the guy revives. So he picks him up and he just turns around and he starts to go down to the end of base camp. And in base camp, he brings the doctor and the doctor says, if this guy didn't save you, you surely would have been dead. He, he saved your life. The doctor turns to him and says, if you didn't stop to help this man, you were soon to succumb to hypothermia and you would have died too. Because you stopped to help him, you're alive today. Wow. Stand with me if you would, please. God has called each and every one of us to be people and men and women of the joy of the Lord. Amen. To spread that joy, to help others. There's a purpose in everything that God does. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Happiness is a feeling. We are all faced with unhappy, sad, dreadful days. All of us. It strikes us all. Some of them, they're seasons in our life. They're just, they're not happy. But happiness is a feeling. Feelings come and feelings go. But joy is a choice. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to receive communion here in a moment, but I just, I just want to pray. And in this moment right now, some of you, if you just bow your heads here, you say, Pastor, I, I haven't experienced that joy. I've fallen away from it. At times I knew what it was like, but I've been sidetracked. I feel like that man on the side of the mountain that has been succumbed to hypothermia. And Pastor, I can't even, I can't even help myself. I need the help of others. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. The Spirit of God is here to massage, to move your arms, to help you move your legs, <clears throat> to wake you, to revive you back to not what you were, but what, to something greater. That's the heart of the Spirit of God. You say, I've fallen so far. I brought this on myself. The Spirit of God is here to bring healing and freedom and redemption. And the father that had the son that ran away, the prodigal, <clears throat> he spent everything, riotous his living, and he was eating pig's food, and he came to his senses. Some of you here today, the Spirit of God is saying, I'm bringing you to come to your senses, to wake up. God is saying, I want to do something in your life. And you think, well, how will the Lord receive me? Just like that earthly father, he had open arms. And he said, this is my son. This is my daughter. I receive them back. With every head bowed and you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I need to come back to God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. And This is between you and the Lord. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray with me as I pray this morning. And you pray this prayer of repentance and acceptance and receiving Christ. And this is where you begin your journey. If that's you, let's pray together corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. Heal my heart. 
I make a decision today to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.